0: Well, hello and welcome back to My Business Playbook. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope that you are well. Now, today we have a very, very special guest and we're gonna be talking about time. Now, one of the things that I find most of our clients, most people in our community who come to us, one of their big challenges is finding time. And what I feel happens is we kind of have this blanket statement of, I've got no time, I'm too busy. And we put a little head in the sand and call it a day, right? (laughs) So what you're gonna find in this conversation is powerful and simple strategies to buy back your time. And we are joined by Dan Martell. Now here's a little bit about Dan so that you can kind of understand He knows what he's talking about. Dan is an entrepreneur, angel investor. He's a thought leader. He's a highly sought after coach in the software as a service industry. He has founded, scaled and successfully exited three different tech companies within a 10 year period. He is seriously good at what he does. He knows his stuff. He's so entrepreneurial and he's really generous with his content. You are going to love this conversation. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Dan's new book. It's called Buy Back Your Time. And what it does is it teaches you how to get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire while avoiding burnout. We go deep. We get into some really simple strategies in this conversation, but I want to remind you the work is not done. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So if you're interested in getting the book, all you need to do is head to buybackyourtime.com and you'll be able to purchase it right away. Okay. We're going to dive into my conversation with the wonderful Dan Martell. Dan Martell, it is so good to have you on the podcast. My goodness, I feel like we're Commonwealth friends, the Canadian and Australian pals. There's a kindred a kindred spirit.
1: It's an honor. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> I appreciate, uh, appreciate the chance. I've been a big fan of your content, so I'm excited to be on uh, your podcast.
0: Right back at you. And before we hit record, I was like, I think I have a little like my husband and I have a crush on you and Renee. And so it's lovely to connect with you and lovely to have you on the show. And I'm so excited because you have a new book out and we're going to talk all about the book today because I know it's going to be super, super helpful for our audience. Our audience are busy entrepreneurs who are in this startup phase. And one of the biggest challenges that they face is time (laughs) they feel like they're permanently racing the clock they feel like they're always playing catch up they're like wanting to do all the things but finding that they're like i just don't know how to either prioritize my time or find time or knowing what to outsource what to even like where to even start so i'm really looking forward to talking about buyback time and how you actually do this so before we kind of dive in Can you just give someone like anyone listening a little snapshot of what you do, who you help and kind of how you got to this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, Laura, I think it's important for people to understand, like I, I came up with this framework because I grew up in a lot of chaos uh, as a teenager. So I actually um, grew up in a a household with an alcoholic mom and a dad that was kind of traveling a lot and absent. And um, I just ended up in the like, in some really dark places, and um, by the time I was 17, I was a drug addict, and I got in a, I was in a high-speed chase with the police, and I ended up crashing the side of a house, and I had a handgun sitting next to me in a backpack, and I went to grab it so that I could pull the gun on the police and have them take my life, and for whatever reason, it got stuck in the wow. backpack. And, um yeah, that was like a pivotal moment in my life. And, um, you know, I th- I think I, that was the beginning of a change. And I ended up doing six months in adult jail. And then uh, even though I was 16, 17 at the time, I ended up getting released to a rehab center. And it was at the end of an 11-month program where I, like, rebuilt the relationship with my family and my my brothers and sisters and, like, rebuilt the trust and my self-worth. I just felt so, like, worthless and... Um, not valuable that um, you know I uh, growing up in so much chaos what happened was is I I was helping Rick the maintenance guy clean out the uh, one of the cabins because it was built on an old church camp and in one of the rooms was this old 486 computer um, and a yellow book on Java programming sitting next to it so it was like a programming book and a computer and I booted up the computer and I got it to say hello world (laughs) <laughs> and it sounds crazy, but, like, something in my soul just thought, like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, maybe I'm I'm messed up yeah. in other parts of my life and I make bad decisions, but my brain is wired for computers and programming. And that's where a lot of the systems thinking and you know, my career came from. So, like, I I became addicted to writing code, which sounds crazy, but that that ended up being the thing I swapped my drug addiction for. And then I started businesses. You know, I I was always entrepreneurial, and my dad used to joke if I could just find something I was passionate about that wasn't illegal, maybe I'd do (laughs) something good with my life. And when I got out, um, I discovered this little thing called the Internet. You know, this is 1997, and it completely... uh, you know, shaped my life to this day where I've now I've built three software companies and exited those over the last 25 years. I've invested in 50 plus software companies like Intercom and Hootsuite and Udemy and Get Around them wow. or billion-dollar companies. And about five years ago, um I was gonna retire for a little bit and I started a YouTube channel that's now become one of the largest YouTube channels for software CEOs, and then SAS Academy, which is what I do one part of my life. I have like my investment stuff I do. And then SAS Academy is the largest CEO coaching company for software entrepreneurs. And that's, that was where I started to perfect the buyback principle because I've always used it in my life since I was like 25. And you know, when I, when I started thinking about um, ideas for a book, that was the one that, you know, I just kept coming back to because like, I'm such a pro entrepreneur. Like, I just think every person that wakes up every day to build their business, they're essentially trying to make the world a better place for every mm-hmm. other person that lives in it. Yeah. And I just want to help people, you know, build businesses. They don't grow to hate.
0: Yes. And so for you, Dan, like, you know, a lot of our audience are creatives and what they find, and actually I've had a lot more conversations with people recently who are like, as adults, they're like. I just found out I've got ADHD and they're like, I didn't know that. And they're kind of realizing, oh my gosh, so many things in my childhood, in my life make sense now because I actually didn't realize that I just approach things differently. And so it's a really interesting thing for creatives particularly as well, who are like the time side of things. It's so important because they like creatives need time. (laughs) We need time to kind of, think and create and process and and be strategic and all these things. So for you, like growing up in this space where you're like, my life was chaos, it feels like your, you know, your buyback principle is designed for, not for people who are like super, super structured and organized and like, you know, kind of, they've got their stuff together. It sounds like it's designed for people who are like, I don't even know where to start. So- why do you think this principle, and what makes this principle work for people who are creative, people who are entrepreneurial and always thinking and always doing things? What makes this principle kind of different, I guess, from other productivity things out there?
1: Yeah, so the buyback principle states that we don't hire people to grow our business, we hire people to buy back our time. And that's the the nuance in it. So I always yeah. call it calendar over capacity. And the reason why is, you know, creatives are going to create like that's the subtitle of my book is actually get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire. Like anybody that feels like they're a visionary and a creative, like they they have so many more ideas that they want to work towards that they don't have time for. And and that was me. Like mm-hmm. the I think what happened is because I grew up in so much chaos, the software subscription reoccurring nature uh, became in systems thinking became almost like the antidote to that. Chaos that I just fell in love with, and the truth was, is you know when I was twenty seven, um, you know I was engaged to get married, and eight weeks before the wedding date, my fiance at the time left me because I was a workaholic. Like, wow! I came home on a Sunday afternoon, and she was in tears in the kitchen, and she just drops the ring on the counter and says, "I can't do this anymore." Wow! So. I think a lot of people, they can get really good at being productive. And like we were doing three or 4 million a year in revenue. And then it was craziest two months, three months after that, I sold my company, became a multimillionaire and like never felt so alone, depressed. Hmm. You know, I was having anxiety attacks and that was like the, the forcing function for me to like really understand leverage. Right? Because like I I will create. Like that's the thing about me, but I also want to be a great husband. You know, yeah. like if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be the person I am for Renee or my two boys, you know, or even being a great son or brother, right? Yeah. And I think like the the there's always the upside of like learning how to buy back your time so you can build a bigger business, but there's also the protection of the downside. Right. So like oftentimes when I teach these strategies to my clients. Yes, they're going to be more productive and and have more, you know, business success, but they're also reducing the amount of strain that they're putting on their loved ones. And that's why for me, you know, if we don't learn how to build a business, we don't grow to hate. Mm -hmm. Then most people, they'll hit this thing called the pain line, which is essentially entrepreneurs won't grow into pain, right? If it's if your business could 10x next month, but that would mean, 10 times more pressure in your calendar, you just won't do it, right? And you'll either sell your business, sabotage, or stall, right? Those are the three S's that happen when you hit the pain line. And I just want to teach people how to take the lid off so that they can do more, right? And produce more. And and so, yeah, some people are really good at being productive and organized. And I was that guy when I was in my 20s, mid-20s. But I also was a horrible person to be around because I wasn't present, right? And I was always missing out on key events and making commitments to people and I didn't show up and then now I'm a thousand times more successful on the business side but I'm also you know somebody that gets to train for Ironmans and be a great dad and do quarterly retreats with my wife and you know do yeah. a bunch of stuff you know like that's it's kind of fun because there's there is no limit
0: yeah and i love and and i i heard on one of your podcast episodes you saying instead of hiring people to grow your business hire people to buy back more time and i think that's a such a and even for me listening to it i was like man that's such a mindset shift because i think at, when we're especially in, when we're in this startup phase where maybe we're at like we're not quite at a million dollars yet and we're like hey like I need to make more money. And it's like more money, more money, because you're kind of like a little duck with your your feet paddling real fast under the surface. And I think the idea of actually, if we can flip the script and make it more about how can we find more time and that the end result of more wealth, more financial stability comes with that. I think that's such a shift, right?
1: Well, everybody wants freedom, right? It's why we start businesses. It's just, if you don't do it in the right sequence, you can literally climb this ladder of success and get to the top and realizing it's leaning against the wrong wall, right? And it's not because you didn't do the work or you didn't have a vision or you didn't focus, just the way you built that success didn't actually produce the freedom. You know, there's this thing in the book I, I talk about called the replacement ladders, And it's literally like the sequence of hiring people in your business based on the cost and the impact to the business, right? And on level one is an administrative assistant, Mm. right? So a lot of people hear this all the time. I need a VA. I need an EA. I need a PA or whatever you want to call it. But for whatever reason, they have these beliefs that, well, I'm not that fancy or I don't feel worthy or I'd feel guilty if somebody was managing my inbox and my calendar or all these things and they're robbing themselves, right? Yeah. Because every time you say yes to something, you're inadvertently saying no. So it's like, if you keep doing stuff, then you know people are like, well, I don't have time to go to the gym, or I don't have time to, to, to go do this thing with my kids, or I don't have time for this. It's like, you do, you just chose to invest your money elsewhere. So like level one is administrative work, and that's 100% inbox and calendar should be somebody else's responsibility. I do not manage my inbox. Mm. Level two is delivery. It's once you enroll a new client to your business, Somebody else should be responsible for onboarding them and supporting them. You can do the work to, that they bought, but all the other stuff should be somebody else. Level three is marketing, right? Because a lot of people go through this like faster famine stage where it's like, I don't have enough customers to do much marketing, I get busy. Then while I'm uh-huh. busy, I'm not doing marketing. And then <laughs> my customers run out and it's just like this up and down, ebb and flow. And you want somebody that wakes up every day to generate new leads, right? And then, yeah. then level four is sales, right? and having somebody else that can take opportunities and bring them across the finish line to become a customer. And what's crazy, if you just get to level four, right, and we're talking four key hires, and you're still in the business doing the work, yeah. you now have a system where somebody's generating leads, delivering on for the customers, and selling those customers. So it's like delivering leads, selling the customers, and delivering for them. So you've actually got the beginning of a business that gives you freedom, Yeah. And then level five is is leadership. Right. It's learning how to hire people and, you know, um, coach them to bring strategy and outcomes to your business. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's these are the skills like the buyback principle works only if you buy back your time and then fill it with higher value activities. And for most people, it's either doing more of the thing that makes them the most money or it's learning strategies or skills that they're missing to be able to produce more. And that's yes. the fill part of the buyback principle.
0: Oh, that's so, it's, I love that that it, it's in that order because I think a lot I of people- I call it the replacement ladder.
1: That's the ladder we want to climb. Yeah.
0: And so if someone listening goes straight into, I'm going to start with leadership and not have these other things in place, what, what happens then?
1: It's too expensive. So see what happens is like paying somebody to come in, like a lot of visionaries, they go, I need a COO. Right? Yeah. I need somebody to help me operate my business. It's like, you don't even have an executive assistant. Yeah. How about you hire an executive, like a COO and an executive assistant, those are two different pay scale differences, mm. right? But an executive assistant can literally buy back 40 hours of your week. You could get a whole week's worth of work to double your output and productivity if you do it right the way I teach it. Yeah. And then the next level is delivery. Like essentially it's a mathematical equation that you're learning how to time trade in the most efficient way possible right? So that's why it goes delivery, marketing, then sales, right? Because you keep sales last because you're probably always going to be the best salesperson. But until you're at 30 sales calls a week, then you don't need to hire a salesperson. You need to buy back your time of the items below it. And then once you have a salesperson, then you've got an engine. Now you can invest in leadership to kind of grow the engine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and for someone listening who still really wants to stay on the tools, it, like they still really want to be in the delivery, the, the creative, the they still want to be with the, the face-to-face with clients. How does that look? Is it still possible to kind of be in the business and have a successful business? Like, is that still possible?
1: It, it is until it becomes the bottleneck. Right. So the way I think about it is, you know, I'm a business coach, so I coach clients now for a long time when I started, it was one on one coaching. Then I went to group coaching. Then I created several or not several, but three different group coaching programs. Then I have my private coaching clients. Those that. And so essentially you're trading up your hours. So like when you start off, you may not charge a lot for your thing, but then over time you raise your prices. And then you want to do more of that yourself and then pay people to do like the bookkeeping and the finances and the administrative assistance so that you're just doing more of that. And then you structure it this way so that if at any point you're like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore and that's okay because now you've actually built the infrastructure that that is so valuable that you can hire somebody else to do that work. Mm -hmm. And then it continues to produce revenue so you can go focus on maybe like doing more of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I get that there's artists and creators out there that want to do the creative, but what I've discovered is most people, I call it the 1080 10 rule, they want to do the 10% ideation stuff, right? And this is what Steve Jobs used to do with Johnny Ives. Like, he would go into the design studio with Johnny and they would, like, banter about different ideas and, like, products and materials and all that stuff. And then Johnny and his team would go and spend the next two weeks prototyping stuff and designing stuff. And then the last 10%, you know, Steve would come back in and he would, like, play with it and refine it. But, like, Steve didn't want to be sitting in there doing CNC machines and, like, material printing and, right? Yeah. so, So I think a lot of times... Creatives want to be involved, they don't want to be responsible for the work product. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that if you understand this, then there's actually ways that you can buy back your time and still be involved. Like Gary Vee, a lot of people know Gary Vee's content on social, he has a team of 25 people called Team Gary that produce 98% of the effort of all his content Gary's involved in the first 10% of the ideation of direction and strategy. They do all the stuff, they record them. they clip it up, they manage his calendar, they literally manage his life but he's still the last 10% publishing. So like Mm. he created a structure where the videographers are publishing TikTok videos inside of a text messaging uh, chat. And then he watches them and he's like, I like that one. and And he'll literally download it and post it himself. He likes that part. He wants to write his own caption, right? But even on his LinkedIn content, he's gotten to the place where somebody else interviews him. He answers their questions, they transcribe it, and that becomes the content. He doesn't actually have to type the content. He just wants to talk to content. So instead of taking him three hours to write a blog post, it takes him seven minutes and he gets to keep moving forward. So there's, there's really strategic ways as an artist and a creator to be involved in the creative process without being the biggest bottleneck of you having to do the whole thing.
0: Totally. And I think sometimes we feel like we're more indispensable than we are. We think, no, every part of this process needs me in it. And it's actually like, there are people who do it way better than you and it's weird to think you know if if it's your first hire it's weird to kind of think oh but like you know I don't want someone else responding to emails because what if they say the wrong thing or what if they don't understand my tone or what if they kind of stuff it up and so it's this hard thing of going no well actually if we want to grow most of our people come start a business because they're good at the technical thing they're the technician they're like I'm I'm a designer I'm a whatever. And it's like actually moving out of that. The thing I've seen is that there's a ceiling where they can't get into that next revenue kind of bracket that they want to get into because they're kind of like stuck with delivery, sales, emails, all of the things. So I love the idea of actually structuring it with that replacement ladder. That makes so much sense. So, How does this apply in your personal life? Do you apply these same principles at home?
1: That's actually like my favorite place to talk about, but most people are not there yet. But I'll tell you what it looks like for most people when they start, right? So like in the home, and the answer is a thousand percent, yes, like I just look at my time as my time, right? And I only wanna do one of two things. I either wanna spend time with people I love or create and produce stuff that only I can create and produce that lights me up, right? Yeah. So like this, conversation can only be done by me, yeah. but every other aspect of us getting to this place, I wasn't involved as you know, yes. right? So, so there's, there's that component on the personal side. Most people should start in their own home by, by things like, I would say like hiring a house cleaner, right? Like buying back, you know, four or five hours of your week by having somebody else come in and clean your house. And the beauty of that is you're actually creating employment for your local community. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have a hard time with that cause they're like, well, you know, especially women, I know a lot of clients that I coach that are, that are women, you know, they're, I've heard things like, well, I don't want my mom to think that I'm not able to maintain my own house.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like,
1: these are real, like, fears of guilt or fears of being judged. Or yeah. I don't want my neighbor to think that, like, I'm so busy in my business that I can't do whatever. But, you know, most people start with cleaning, laundry, meal prep, yeah. uh, yard work, right? Like, those are the, those are, like, the entry points to this. Yeah, Um, but then the the level five of this is kind of where we live with Renee and I, where we have a full time house manager, and she's she's the CEO of everything personal. Yeah, so she manages and owns all of our real estate, all of our vehicles, all of our uh, family matters. You know, travel stuff, et cetera. She literally has spreadsheets and talks to the insurance companies and talks to the registration (laughs) people. And she just makes sure that all of that is being thought about, managed and processed so that Renee and I can either work on our businesses, spend time with our friends, or or obviously hang out with our kids and that's it. Right. So like there's the same approach definitely applies to your personal life. And it's approachable and available to a lot more people than they realize. Like, I think they got, they're like, Oh, when I'm a billionaire, then I could do this. It's like, no, you can do this soon. Like it's literally yeah. just where you got to audit your time and go, where am I spending my time? How do, wh- where's the most efficient way for me to buy back my time? And for some people it's like, you know, I've seen entrepreneurs like work 60 hours a week and then not recharge on weekends because then they're doing like all this extra stuff, like all this project stuff and renovations and and, uh, like, it's yeah. like, look, recharge. Like, give yourself a break, right? Like, yeah. your time is better spent making money in your business and paying somebody else to build your deck, right? Like, I, it just it happens all the time where they don't they don't understand that that time is just time. It doesn't matter where it's being deployed. And, you know, instead of spending, you know, two days building a deck on the back of my house, I'd rather spend two days building my business and yeah. and then not do that, right?
0: Yeah, and it's like... It's like identifying the the leveraged activities that are actually gonna have like pay dividends long term, and I think it's really such a mindset shift. And I know for a lot of you know, a lot of our clients, the idea of getting a cleaner, the idea of um, having someone else, you know, do meal prep, it it comes with resistance because there's a little bit of well, no, I should I should be able to do that, and it's un reasonable like it's a very unreasonable expectation to put on yourself and then feel like i've got to be an epic mom or dad and then i've got to be an epic business owner and then it's like how can we do all of those things not to mention show up on instagram like you've got people who have 24 7 contact with you and it's it's no wonder people feel so overwhelmed (laughs) it's a lot so i love the idea of starting with the home what would you say to someone who has a bit of a block to outsourcing or has resistance to that, what, what would your big piece of advice be to someone who feels like that?
1: Well, th- this is the thing, right? It's like if you have aspiration or goals to create more in the world, then you have to realize that your current belief sets are not supporting that next level of growth. Because if you believe the things that you needed to believe, you'd already have those results in your life today. Hmm. So that's step one is like understand that the, the way you think about stuff is the reason those things are not in your life. So if that's true, then you should go on the journey to audit those beliefs and figure out what would need to be true for me not to believe that stuff. Right. So like, you know, well, nobody can do it as good as me. All right. Well, what need to be true? Well, I just need to find an example of somebody else that does this thing better than I do. Well, you can look around the world. So it's like, I'm a video editor. It's like, okay, well, somebody's editing Mr. Beast videos and they're doing a better job than you are because those things get 50 million views. So there's video editors that exist that are better than you. Now, then, well, I can't afford to pay them. Have you tried? Do you know? Like, have you actually found that person and asked them what they got paid to figure out what it would cost you to get? So, like, people have all these beliefs that are, like, that are concrete statements that stop them from the exploration, right? Like... I can't outsource. Like, I literally got off a call just now with uh, another podcast interview I was doing, and, and the guy's a creative, and he said, I can't get somebody else to write my newsletter. And I go, okay, is it possible that in the world there's companies that have newsletter businesses that are written by writers that make 10 times more than you're making in your life right now? And he's like, yes. And I go, perfect, because of course there is. <laughs> yeah. um, so they figured out something that you haven't figured out around recruiting, training, skills, monetization. Like there's something strategically that they figured out that you haven't figured out. So it's not impossible. And that's why I say like, it's audit, transfer, fill is the buyback loop. It's like, we want to audit our time, transfer those things to somebody else to free up our time to go learn, fill new skills and strategies, right? Yeah. And part of that is the mindset and the beliefs. Like we should literally make a list of the beliefs that we have, like nobody could clean the house as good as me. Well, that's not true because I go to a hotel when I'm traveling and those hotel rooms are cleaned a lot better than I clean my room. So there are people out there that clean things better than me. What is the true underlying belief, right? So you, I think that that's the, the, the mindset is such a big part for entrepreneurs. And the yeah. truth is, is like whatever business you're in, you probably admire somebody else that has a bigger business. And I guarantee the way they invest their time is completely different than the way you're doing it. You just got to go find out and ask, right? Yeah. Like when people like, and it's, it's funny because like I, I hang out with a lot of friends that are wealthy and successful and they don't have house managers. And when I'm like calling them on weekends to like go mountain biking, they're like, yeah, sorry, man, I got to do this or I got to do that. And I'm just like, dude, why are you doing that? Like, why are you putting together this thing you bought off of Amazon? And he's like, well, you know, I, I don't, I, I like doing it. I go, well, if you like doing it so much, why don't you do your neighbor's? You know, like mowing the lawn. My dad used to say this. I like to mow the lawn. It's like, well, why don't you mow the neighbor's lawn? He's like, I don't like to do it that much. Well, you don't like to do it. You just haven't allowed yourself to feel okay about having somebody else do it. And then again... Take that time. You may want to go work on your business or increase your income, or you might just decide to go to the gym for your own personal health, or call your grandkids, or hang out with your, your loved ones. Like to me, that's that's the trade-off is like when we actually step back and look at the life that we're supposedly trying to create for our business, um, you would make a completely different set of decisions.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, if we thought, if we thought about our hourly rate. And we're building our team and there are some tasks that that some members of my team do. I'm like, well, I don't really want them doing that because we're paying them too much for them to be doing that administrative or like low level task. And it's interesting that I think like that about my employees, but I don't necessarily think like that about myself. It's like a weird trade-off that we go, oh, well, I'm paying that person, you know, they need to produce value. Get the most yield
1: from them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're always trying to maximize the yield. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I you say like, I think most people don't even do what you just said. Like they don't even think about it for their own team, but essentially that's how it works. You you just hinted onto this thing called the buyback rate that I teach, right? Which is whatever your income is per year. Okay. So it's like, if you're, you know, uh, and, and income is whatever you, like, make salary, dividends, profit, and discretionary yeah. expenses that shouldn't be in the business, but, hey, we don't want to pay taxes. So I get that. So, like, if that's 100000 a year or 500000 a year, if you divide that by 2000 which is the amount of hours in a year, that's your effective, like, that's the amount of money you make per hour, right? So if it's $100,000, that's uh, $50 an hour. If it's 500 it's 250 an hour, right? Yeah. Now, I don't think you should outsource anything that you could pay somebody else the same amount for. I always say divide it by four, right? So yeah. if you take the 50 and you divide it by four, then that's, you know, $12.50. And that's the buyback rate. That's the amount that if you're doing anything in your life that you could pay somebody else less than $12.50 to do, then it's mathematically a bad financial decision to do that.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I, I love that there's actually, it takes the emotion out of it. Cause it's like, no, no, no this, it's it, it's a formula that you follow.
1: It's just pure logic. Million dollar companies were not built off $10 tasks. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's the snippet I'm going to use because that just, I think so many people and, and myself included, we, we find ourselves in the weeds or we find ourselves in the tasks that don't add value. And then we wonder, oh, I don't get to see my friends anymore. I don't get to see my family. I don't get to like go on holidays. And it's like, that's, it's like the whole reason, like you were saying, the whole reason we started our business was for freedom. I don't, I've not met anyone who, if I say, hey, do you need more time? And do you need more freedom in your life? That says, no, I'm good. Like everyone I talk to is like, no, 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 I I do. I need, I feel, a bit overwhelmed or I feel like I'm not in a flow or a rhythm that I really des- like desire for my business. So I think that makes so much sense. So if the book is out and and I feel like anyone listening knows that, okay, we got to get this book. But if, if there are two things that people could take away, people who haven't read Buy Back Your Time or is thinking about reading it, What are one or two of the biggest takeaways from the book that someone could implement right now?
1: Yeah, I think the the one that's going to resonate the most with people is I have a whole chapter on how to manage an executive assistant where I teach the meeting cadence, like the seven different things that we cover every time we meet. One example that I think would give you some uh, insight is like, Every time I meet with my executive assistant, which is 30 minutes per day, she asks me if there's any follow-up to do with any of my meetings from the previous day, and she'll go through them. She'll literally say, like, you met with this person, anything I got to do. And what's cool about that is it allows me to be present with the person during the conversation because I know tomorrow I'm going to be prompted. Yeah. And if anything comes up, I'll just, I'll remember. I'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 Laura mentioned this. Can you introduce her to this person? Yeah. Right? So, like, it's those little kind of strategies that, so I think the executive assistant chapter is a really uh, powerful one. I even talk about like how to set up your inbox so that they can manage 100% of your inbound emails for you not to feel like you're out of control or they're saying the wrong things to people or whatever. So I teach that, the email GPS process and the calendaring system. Uh, I would say the other big thing is, is my leadership frameworks. I think that most business owners are their own worst enemy when it comes to managing other people. And there's like these three specific um, strategies that I don't think most people have heard of that would, app, like transactional leadership versus transformational leadership, the one-three-one rule, or clearing clearing conversations. Like, those three things would help somebody never lose a team member, coach mm-hmm. their their team to be higher performers, and as their team grows it actually have more time back, which is the biggest fear. It's like, I don't want a team of 100 people because then my life is crazy. I only ever have five direct reports, always, period, full stop. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter if my company is 10,000 people or six people, I only have five direct reports. Yeah. So it's like these little mindset shifts that I think would really allow people to just aim bigger because they have these beliefs around like what their life could look like if it was bigger, that's just not true if you follow this methodology. But yeah, those would be the big ones, just like yeah. the leadership, the executive assistant, and then also like, I've got a bunch of time hacks that I think people would really enjoy, like the, the the $50 fix rule. So like, I just encourage everybody on my team, if it can be solved for less than $50, just do it. And just, as long as you tell me after the fact, like I yeah. wanna encourage my team to just move things forward.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that it's not just like hacks. It's like, how do we think about our time? Because I, I do really think a lot of us can, you know, self sabotage because, like you said, I don't want a team of a hundred people. I I want a small team. So I love the idea of, no, well, you don't have to do it that way. You can you can actually forge your own path, and so you don't need to freak out about <laughs> blowing up your entire life or not delivering or missing out on time with your family or or any of those things so that's so so valuable now Dan we're gonna of course pop a link to the book in the show notes but where can people follow you and connect with you more I know that you have a podcast I know that you've got a YouTube channel tell us all the things where can people connect with you
1: Yeah, well, for the book, they should definitely check out buybackyourtime.com. And the reason why is there was a lot of, like, templates and blueprints and scripts that I wanted to include that my publisher didn't let me. So I put those (laughs) on buybackyourtime.com. So if you buy the book, you just got to prove that you got the book, and I'll share those resources and trainings with you. I'm also going to be doing some Q&A to really, like, help people give the space for them to ask me questions and and that'll all be done through that website. And then, um, I'm on all social platforms, my favorites, Instagram, like my stories, you know, I always tell people like that's, that's my real life. I try to like share with people exactly how I'm buying back my time from, I mean, I do some really crazy stuff like, uh, fly people to me. I mean, it sounds crazy and like, you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, like it sounds nuts, but I, 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 it's, it's better for me to pay somebody to get on a flight, to come meet with me, to save me a day of traveling, to have the conversation face to face. Like there's just all these other things that you could be doing once you get to a certain level that I think I just want to give people permission to honor their calendar and honor themselves. Mm. Because, again, I just don't want people to build businesses they grow to hate and, and the, their loved ones or their health are going to be the biggest things at risk. You know, when you're healthy, you have a thousand goals and dreams. When you're not, you have but one. Yeah. right? So it's like, it's not even just about business growth. It's about quality of life. And it's about being a better person for the people you care the most about.
0: Yeah. And one thing I love about your approach to business and, and through your content is there's this theme of go big. If you're going to do it, just do it. And I feel like for me, I'm like, yes, that's I'm so at that point where I'm like, let's just go big. Let's not live in that fear spot of, Oh, what do people think? I got to play it safe. It's like, let's go big and let's let's like really have the impact that we really want to have in our business. And I love that you encourage people to do that. It really encourages me and I know it encourages um, your audience and I know it will encourage my audience as well.
1: Very cool.
0: Amazing. Well, Dan, you are a legend. Thank you so much. We'll pop all of the links in the show notes. So make sure you check out buybackyourtime.com because you are going to want to get this book ASAP, my friends.
1: Thanks, Laura. It's been an honor.
0: I hope that you were taking notes. There is so much gold in there and I want to encourage you make sure that you follow Dan Martell on Instagram, check him out on YouTube, and also head on over to buybackyourtime.com to get the book and to also get access to those templates. That's gonna be so, so helpful and so valuable for you and for your business. I really want 2023 to be a year for you where you have more freedom. And this feels like the first step. If we can master our calendar, if we can master our time, then we can really see the growth in our business. And also we can actually experience like that ease in business, which is what I really want for you. It's what I really want for me. And I know that this is going to be a really great first step. So make sure you follow Dan and head on over to buybackyourtime.com and get that little book, Okay. I love your work, team. I'll see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them.